Excuse me. We're going to be um, going back into the beginning of our Quran questionnaire. We'll just be going over questions one through 11. And um, now I say, since we're going back to the beginning, let's go ahead and break down everything in the beginning of the uh, questionnaire, including the cover that you see on the front of your Quran questionnaire. I want to read some words for you from <clears throat> Morsh uh, questionnaire commentaries by Brother Nathaniel Chambers L. This brother um, eloquently broke down some of the symbols that you see. Well, actually, all of the symbols that you see on the cover. Um, so if we look, we actually look at our uh, Quran questionnaire, you see right up there in the left-hand corner, you'll see the star and the crescent, right? Islam, it says Islam under it, okay? And so this is just a universal symbol or at least international symbol of our faith. That's the international symbol of Islam, right? So this is just universally recognized, right? And Islam means complete submission, surrender, and obedience to the will of Allah, as Islam is said to be man's natural faith of which his own human nature bears witness. So its collective symbol, the star and crescent, represents the faith or religion of nature. It's not man-made, but divinely revealed. Okay? So we're not talking about um, different cultural practices by people. We're talking about something that is divine. All right, Islam. So um, we also have um, a deeper, more esoteric significance, excuse me, also this associated with the star and crescent symbols. And these are both ancient and they can be traced back through several different cultures going back millennia, right? So when you put them both together, though, they represent the electromagnetic nature of the entire physical universe, right? So in even going down to the smallest atom and knowing that there's really no such thing as size when we're looking at this from a universal perspective, but going down to the smallest atom with its positive and negative charges to the remotest galaxy, you have the electromagnetic principle and it's present. It's, it, it exists everywhere. It's ubiquitous, right? The star and the crescent. The star is the sun, Right? And it's been deemed masculine. It's, um, the crescent is the moon is pa uh, passive or um, negative. Okay, and it's been deemed as feminine. The star and the moon, the sun, right, and the, and the moon, the star and the crescent are symbolic of the interplay we have between the divine masculine and feminine principles. And that's universal. That's a universal principle. It's everywhere in the universe. Right. That's why I don't even know if I can say this, but with the confusion that's going on today, they want to get rid of genders. Right. That's going against universal principles. If anyone's ever studied the um, 
laws of hermeticism, right? That's one of the seven universal principles, the law of gender, right? So universal as in it is across the board. Gender exists all across the board. So you can't get rid of gender. Saw somebody sharing something on Twitter talking about the the rapper Jeezy. He's with the, the Asian woman from The View and they're married and they have a child and they're talking about their child doesn't have a gender. <laughs> like what? Get out of here, man. You can't force that on us. But I, I, I don't know. I, maybe I can't even speak on that. If that's a mistake by me, then put that on me. Don't put that on a prophet. But gender is universal. Okay. The star and crescent symbols also represent the counterbalance between the powers of nature. Science, uh, scientists call the principles of complementarity. And in the, from a spiritual perspective, it's called the union of opposites. Okay. So you have this prime, primordial pairing of the active and passive creative principles. So this is, once again, this is universal. And when you have it together like this, the star and the crescent or the yin and the yang, right? That represents supreme balance, universal harmony. So you see that throughout nature. You always have positive and negative. It's not, you know, evil or good. No, you always have positive and negative, sun and moon, fire and water, right? Cold, hot, wet, dry, male, female, spiritual, material. Okay, always. And um, so this is, once again, this is something divine. It's been revealed and returned to us. We're getting back in unit. And that's why in our Quran, what does the prophet say? It says we're returning Christianity back to the European as it was created for their earthly salvation. While we, the Moorish Americans, are returning to Islam, which was created for our earthly and divine salvation. That's in chapter 48. Okay? Islam was founded by our forefathers for our earthly and divine salvation. And so we're getting back in tune with something that is universal and divine. And by doing this, we're also in tune with what nature so it's bigger than um what we see different people practicing around the world not that we're knocking that we these are our brothers as well brothers and sisters okay so moving on to the right you see the hand clasp it says asia two clasp hands and the word asia underneath this is a sacred symbol and it's on all of the major literature from the Moore Science Temple of America, right? It's on the divine constitution bylaws. It's on your nationality card. It should be on the Moorish literature pamphlet too. All right. Sometimes it'll say unity underneath it. Unity or Asia. Right. But this is just repetition to drive home the point. Right. From the prophet where, um, on the back cover of the Moorish Holy Quran, it says the uniting of Asia. Right? The uniting of Asia. So this is 
bringing us once again back to our Asiatic origins, our primordial origins. Remember, we spoke on this before, too, speaking about Asia. Now, um, this is speculation, right? But speaking on Asia, right, and the origin of Asia, because, you know, people ask questions like, why why you call yourself Asia, Asiatic? You trying to say you Asian or something like that? Um, no, not necessarily. We're saying that um, this is our ancient name for our ancestors. You know, it's, it's something that maybe we don't really truly understand right now. But Asia was one of the names for the entire world, for the physical reality. From our perspective would be Earth, from the physical reality. All right. And so looking at that, looking into looking at it from this perspective, like the um, um, Kabbalah, looking at that type of wisdom, right? You had names for the different realms. And when you got into the dense physical reality, you were in Asia. Okay. Asia is the last of the four spiritual worlds of the Kabbalah. And then this is from Wikipedia. Okay. But you can go and look this up on your own and get more information if you want. But I just wanted to share that briefly. So Asia could be because the entire world was called Asia at one time, right? We're the first people. We're the original people. And so all of the original people are Asiatics. That's, once again, that's one way of looking at it. Okay. Um, So just... Going back to that, right? You had two class fans. That's the uniting of Asia. So this is us coming back to our origins. And with wisdom now, understanding of who we truly are and knowing that we must work together. In the Quran, it speaks about our bonds that we have. We, we must always remember the invisible cords that tie us to each other, right? We must not forget that. And so uh, often we do forget that. And maybe it keeps us from working together, even would have us working against each other, trying to get over on each other. But we're supposed to always remember those invisible cords, right? Because in chapter three of our Quran, it says, no man lives unto himself, for every living thing is bound by cords to every other living thing. So on one hand, we're all bound by cords, all of us, but also... We must remember specifically who we truly are and what ties us to each other. Okay? And in actuality, this remembrance, this understanding of who you are, this is what creates royalty, the nobility of the world. Um, I forgot how many generations you're supposed to be able to trace yourself back in order to be considered of the noble class. I remember reading that in Voltaire. It was um, it was like written in the early 1100s or something. But you have to be able to trace yourself back a certain amount of generations. You have to know who you are, basically. And so if we look at chapter 25 of the Holy Quran, a holy covenant of the Asiatic nation, what does it say in verse 3? It says, and when... Ye separate, hang on, let me get that up on the screen. It says, and when ye separate in the world, 
remember the relation that bindeth you to love and unity and prefer not a stranger before thy own blood. So I want to reiterate, like we're, we're not looking down on anyone else or anything like that. You know, it's not like you, you don't help other people as well. No, but it's just saying, you know, we're not supposed to be getting over on our own people. We're, we're supposed to understand that. And that's why in, in this, um, under this chapter, it has the hand clasp, right? And when you separate in the world, remember the relation that bindeth you to love and unity and prefer not a stranger before thy own blood. In many ways, if we just practice that, just that principle alone, we would immediately be successful. And so while it's easy to overlook the symbols and not really think about what it's telling us, okay, this is what it's really saying. If we keep that in the back of our minds, we'll be successful. And if we do this, you know, in mass numbers, we'll be unstoppable, right? So this is like an orientation the prophet has given us with these symbols because signs and symbols speak directly to the to the um, subconscious mind, directly to it. So even if your conscious mind isn't digesting the information and getting it, it speaks directly to the subconscious. All right, but, but we're, we're speaking on it so that we understand what's going on so that we can teach and we can demonstrate this in real life and so that we can teach our children. Okay, because when people hear Asia, Asiatic, they're thinking of people that look Chinese or Japanese. Or, but this doesn't have anything to do with race as far as that. This is taking us back to something primordial. That's why I showed that diagram showing that Asia was the last of the spiritual realms, right? This is the physical world, Asia, okay? And so the Asiatic race includes all olive-hued um, ethnic groups or nationality groups. And it's um, the prophet used the term olive to describe our different skin tones because the olives, like if you look at olives, they have all these different ranges of um, color, I guess, for their flesh. You know, the flesh of the olive, it could be real dark, it could be black, it could be light brown, dark brown, um, extremely light, right? All of these different hues. So Asiatics includes us, Moorish Americans, so-called black people or Jamaicans, or whatever, all those, those so-called Black people over here, Moorish American, Chinese, Japanese, Korean, Indian, Arabian, the um, Indonesians, Iraqi, Turkish, Hawaiian, Samoan, right, all of these people. And then especially over here, the Puerto Ricans, uh, Filipinos, Mexicans. Brazilians, Cambodians, okay? So as we get our stuff together, we actually have a lot of, a, a, a huge um, population, like as, as far as the world is concerned. And we will be able to work with people internationally 
and respect it because they know that we got our stuff together. We are people. We're civilized. We have our own religion. And that links us now with our ancestor. I mean, our people that we have a common descent with. We we have um we have common ancestors. Even though it may go very far back for some of us, we're we're connected to all those people that I mentioned and several others that I didn't mention. All right, so that's that's why that's on there. All right, and that's actually huge. That makes us international. That's why the prophet isn't talked about. That's why what he brought is not being discussed and talked, I mean, talked. And it won't, I mean, it is by us, but we're the only ones that will teach it. That's why, because it's huge. This is big. Okay, and then um, just going to the imagery that we see with the prophet, of course, carrying the woman and holding humanity, right? Not necessarily holding the woman. He's holding humanity. Humanity is depicted as a female for a reason, though. Right? So um, this is letting us know, right, his, his holy mission to the lost souls of humanity. Right? So first you have, you have the prophet Noble Drew Ali. And we know that the prophet Noble Drew Ali is a thought of Allah manifested in the flesh. He's divinely inspired by God, Allah. His duty was and is, because it's still moving, the spirit is still moving, is to save nations from the wrath of Allah. So he was the one that Allah revealed his secrets and who couldn't resist speaking about it and speaking what he received from Allah, right? Without distorting it to to try to, um, for personal gain or to leave certain things out because it's going to make his life a little easier. No, he's just going to speak, speak it, even if it winds up making things more difficult for him, right? He couldn't resist but to give the unfiltered um, truth. And so he was commissioned by Allah to warn the people of the perils of wickedness and then led us the way to our true religion and then gave guidance on moral issues. And he stressed the holiness of Allah and fearlessly criticized the morals of the day, which we still are dealing with now. And then taught the nobler way of living. All right. And even though his thoughts, words, and deeds distinguished him from all others, he never separated himself from the lives of the people he came to save. So even though he's working to be the best version of himself, you know, he's not trying to act like he's above everyone. Didn't separate himself from the people. So he demonstrated love, intense love for the people. And then taught us the proper ethics in life to hold. And that's why he was so loved while he was here. Okay. And he informed us of the proper roles in life to live so that we can all be successful. So the um, what he brought to us, it leads to peace, happiness, and success in this world and in the next. Right. And so the prophet's nature and will was finally attuned to Allah's will. 
right? And his whole life was an example of compassion and love and holiness and also industriousness, right? He kept things moving. He lived to show us the path, the perfect path for us in life by following what he, what he practiced, not just what he taught, what he said. He was the message that he brought. So following his example, right? You, we have the, the fez on the prophet's head and that's the universal crown of wisdom. That's the national headdress of the Moorish American or the Moorish American man, right? That symbolizes that we are conscious of the great God, Allah, and it's universal. For us, this represents the union of religion and science, the coming together of earthly and divine knowledge. This is also the symbol of the builder, he who builds for his earthly and divine salvation, the tassel, right? They, you know, um, the tassel's even in there. And the tassel symbolic of the plumb line, which represents upright character. Then the prophet's wearing a robe, right? Anybody ever wonder why you see more, some more is wearing a robe? The robe symbolizes um, regenerated and spiritualized nature. Regenerated and spiritualized nature woven from the threads of his own noble character and virtue. Then you have humanity, right? The prophet is holding humanity in his arms, uplifting fallen humanity. You see the woman looks unconscious, right? She's lying limply like she's not even conscious. All right. So this isn't just talking about a woman and this is, um, this has a spiritual meaning, right? We're not like, of course, we should uplift the sisters, but we also need to uplift the men. So it's not just talking about um, just one sex or something like that. No, it's talking about humanity as a whole. Like if you're lying limp like this and drowning in the cares of the world, that means whether we're, you're male or female, you're limp, you're unconscious. And if you're unconscious, you're literally drowning in the cares of the world. You don't know who you are. And in 2022, right, if you don't know who you are, and especially if you're one of the babies, right, you're a young man or woman, you know, and you're out here unconscious, what do you think is cool to do? Young woman, you think it's cool to maybe go and get surgery to, they call it enhancing, but it's not really enhancing, They to change your body in a sexual manner, to be more sexually appealing, right? Um, just all types of stuff, man, you know? No telling what you think you should be doing. As a man, you may think it's cool to, to align yourself with criminal nature, getting high, just all types of stuff, right? So you're literally will be drowning in the cares of the world because if you follow through on any of these things that are being promoted to our people and to the world, you'll wind up having a difficult life because they, they're promoting for us to be, to have no control over our lust and desires over our lower nature. 
which means you're going to wind up having children with people that you probably didn't even like. Might wind up having several. And that will lead to misery, right? And then that will lead to children potentially coming up without a, you know, a good stable household and mother and father that's married and all that stuff. And so it, it leads to, it leads to, um, it makes things difficult. It's not the end because good can still come out of that situation. It's just, it makes it harder for everyone, for all of us, right? And then like, you know, if we're getting caught up with the alcohol or the, you know, drugs and thinking we have to do something like that every day just to maintain, we can't even go one day without it. There's so many ways that's messing up our body, putting us in trouble. Some dude, an NFL player, I think he was only in the league like two years, and he might be going to prison because he was speeding through a residential area drunk and killed somebody. Went from being on top of the world to just like that, you know, it's over. And so this, you know, being drowning, being unconscious, this is what that represents drowning in the cares of the world if you're unconscious you will be drowning in the cares of the world it's going to get you right so this figure is unconscious it's passive it's left at the mercy of negative outside influence in other words the cares of the world so the cares of the world right now you need to get these likes you need to you know get this attention so that's what they're pumping, especially the women. You need to get attention. Show your body. Do whatever you can for attention. Do stupid stuff for attention. Anything. Right? So the outside world, the cares of the world, are, it's unenlightened. It's debased. It's ignorant. It's, it's non-resistant. It's inact, inactive. Okay? And so that's why this figure is limp in sin. Okay? And so this is what we are without the prophet. We're helpless. It, that's humanity. It's, it's all of us, male and female, fallen humanity. Right? But why did the prophet depict fallen humanity in the form of a woman? So if we go to our um, Moorish Holy Quran, we can find the answer in there. If you look at chapter 38, it's entitled The Soul of Man. The soul is constantly or consistently it's being referred to using the feminine gender. It's referred to as she and her. For example, in verse nine, it's the prophet speaking on the soul. It says, she is immortal. She is unchangeable. She is alike in all. Health calleth her forth to show her loveliness and application anointeth her with the oil of wisdom. Okay? And this is in chapter 38, which is the soul of man. And that's on uh, verse 9. Then in verse 10, it says, Although she shall live after thee, think not that she was born before thee. She was created with thy flesh and formed with thy brain. And again, in verse 26, the end of her search is truth. Her means to discover it are reason and experience, right? So that throughout that chapter on the soul of man, the soul is referred to as she and her, all right? And the prophet depicted fallen humanity in the form of a woman, right? 
because that's the, the feminine gender that best describes the nature of the soul. It's sensitive, it's impressionable, intuitive, receptive, absorbing. All right, so it's depicting humanity in the form of a woman. All right, and that's the collective soul of humanity. Right? The souls of humanity um, personified. So in this picture, it's showing us, by and large, the souls of present-day humanity are unconscious, which means they're not spiritually awakened. And that means that we are um, left at the mercy of the negative outside influences, which is in here shown as the cares of the world. And so we're limping sin. All right? And the prophet is moving towards what? What's his foot on? Bringing, Bringing fallen humanity out of the cares of the world onto what? the solid rock of salvation, right? We had to be rescued first. We had to be saved from the cares of the world first, right? So that means that we had to fall. We had to become despiritualized, demoralized. We had to become so debased that we needed divine intervention. This was, this was, um, preordained it had to happen you know maybe this is a learning experience for us to do this and to overcome it right so it had to happen but no no one could raise us from that watery grave no one no social scientists no preachers no historians nobody no philosophers no one could do it we needed help from the creator Allah Right, Allah saw and understood and responded to our need and sent us a prophet from amongst ourselves. And rem- that's Prophet Noble Drew Ali. But remember, the prophet must come from amongst us. Can't come from anywhere else. That's in the Bible. That's in the Quran. There's no way around that. So um, one was sent from amongst us to deliver us from evil, right? To deliver us from this watery grave that most of us didn't even realize we were in. Okay? Hang on. And so, yeah, just say that for a reason because that's that's the criteria and it's set, right? We had that um, in the King James Bible, right? The ancient prophets, um, whom God in his wisdom chose from a different nation and tries to prophesy unto the people in his word, teach them his commands. And um, in Deuteronomy, it says, for the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren. All right, I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And then we know that's all throughout the Quran, right? You can probably find some more places that's in the Quran. We we have eight so far as revealed to the prophet Muhammad, but it's probably in there several more times. So that's the criteria. So that's what we see in this image, right? The prophet, which we're, we're going to go over the, the first lessons, right? It tells us where was the prophet born? In the state of North Carolina. 
So one from amongst us came to, to take us out of the cares of the world onto the solid rock of salvation. So that's huge, right? And um, the prophet understood he had his finger on the pulse of humanity. He came from amongst us and he was born in 1886. This, this means he, he witnessed lynchings and all that. He knew what was going on, but he also understood the inner nature and quality of our soul, as well as the secret of how to regenerate it. So he gives us the steps and that's throughout our Quran of how to subdue our lower nature so that you're not still dependent on the prophet in that manner of looking for next. Like when the prophet made the transition, his chauffeur came into the office where the grand council was meeting and sat down at the head chair where the prophet sat and said, I'm back. And some people were so distraught that they went with them. You know, but what the prophet gave us, we don't have to be like that. Looking for someone else, looking for a middleman, looking for someone. No, we know that Allah is, where's the nearest place you can meet Allah? Somebody. Where's the nearest place we can meet Allah? My heart. Exactly. You don't have to go through me. I don't have to go through you. Islam, gratitude, sister, gratitude, brother. So we don't have to go through anyone else. So we don't have to be out here drowning in the cares of the world. We have the tools that we need. So we're actually supposed to be referring to our Quran. I say even on a daily basis. You know, unless you have it all memorized, keep it on you. When you come to something that's perplexing, some, you know, even a difficult decision, as Muslims, we should refer to that Quran. I mean, you can go to the Quran's revealed to the Prophet Muhammad, right? There's wisdom, divine wisdom in there. But we have this as well. And this is much shorter and easier to go through. All right. And just because it's shorter doesn't mean that it doesn't have divine wisdom in it. Right. So we can refer to this Quran whenever we have um, questions or anything we're going through and just on a daily basis to make sure that we are on the right path. Okay. And if we internalize these teachings, we don't want it to be where like, we're just listening to this, you know, every now and then some, some people might be asleep. Right. And then we don't really know how to do this, how to demonstrate it. So we want to internalize this because it works. All right. And so the prophet is lifting us up on the, <clears throat> the solid rock of salvation. And that means deliverance from sin and its consequences and the coming to peace and reconciliation with Allah. All right. So, you know, that that's for in the here and after. Right. Deliverance from sin and its consequences. So we, we're not here suffering. This is what it's really about. And then remember the cares of the world that we lifted us out of, those are the negative worldly influences. We don't even see them all as negative because they're enticing, they're alluring, and they strongly attract the soul of man and turns us away from things spiritual and causes us to forget our divine connection to Allah. 
And remember, that's the all in all. We are divinely connected to Allah. But all of these worldly things, they cause us to forget that, to not even think about it, turn us away from it, to keep us even more entrenched into the physical realm. Okay, so that's why as men, things getting pumped to us is just to keep us focusing on body parts, you know, just having as much sex as you can and not, you know, just they just want us to be beasts out here. That's why some of us even proudly call ourselves beasts and savage and don't see anything wrong with it. Of course they can't see anything wrong with it because they're drowning in the cares of the world. And it's not them like we're better than them because we are all going through this right now. All right. And the only thing that can put us on the solid rock of salvation, as far as I know, all right, as an American, a true American, is to follow the divine wisdom delivered to us by our prophet, an American prophet, specifically tailored to us and what we're going through. Back then and right now, it still applies. Man, it's even more relevant now than it was then. And it was extremely relevant then. Okay, and so that's that's what we see on the cover. And that's um, that's a deeper understanding, right, of the imagery that we see. Remember, signs and symbols speak directly to the subconscious mind, all right? And um, so just wanted to explain that briefly. Um, um, there's also a breakdown in here about the Moorish American prayer. And, um, you know, it's beautiful. For the most part, explaining how um, the prayer that the prophet um, gave to us is something that all prophets do. They come to their people. They teach them how to pray, right? And this is specifically for us to get us in alignment with the law, to make us more humble, more um, to have more humility. And the prophet also taught us how to pray, right? We're standing up. All right, and that's powerful as well. Islam. So um, let's go ahead and go in here to questions uh, one through 11. All right. Okay. And then, um, of course, if, if anybody has anything they'd like to say, like to share, feel free to speak. Um, Please say these also, um, whether you're saying it out loud or in your, in, you know, just in your head. Uh, question one, who made you? Allah. Two, who is Allah? Allah is the father of the universe. Three, can we see him? No. Four, where is the nearest place we can meet him? In the heart. Five, who is Allah? Uh, excuse me five who is noble drew ali he is the last prophet six what is a prophet a prophet is a thought of allah manifested in flesh seven what is the duty of a prophet to save nations from the wrath of allah eight who is the founder of the moorish science temple of america Noble Drew Ali. Nine, what 
year was the Moorish Science Temple of America founded? 1913 AD. 10, where? Newark, New Jersey. 11, where was Noble Drew Ali born? In the state of North Carolina, 1886. All right, um, just going back up to who made you. All right. This is just reminding us that Allah created man, right? Um, it doesn't matter what theories people come up with, Darwin's theory of evolution, none of that matters, right? We know that Allah created man, all right? Um, we know that man is spirit and a part of Allah. Man is a thought of Allah. And we were breathed forth from the innermost part of Allah. Also, we were made in the image and after the likeness of Allah. All right? So we forget who we are and also the power we possess. And um, this is all by design. Okay? We have a station in here that's powerful. Allah created man to be his vice regent on earth. That's in the Quran as revealed to the prophet Muhammad when he's speaking to the angels and they're questioning Allah. Like, why would you create something that's going to be out here causing chaos? You know, something that forgets its connection to you. Right, forgets who it truly is, causing chaos. And Allah just says, I know what you know not. You don't understand because the angels were also a creation of Allah. So we have a powerful station that's even over the angels and the other creations of Allah. And that we're the lords of not only the plane of manifest, right, the physical realm, but also the plane, the soul plane as well. And this, this should also um, motivate us to strive to be the higher versions of ourselves. So this is powerful information, powerful understanding and knowledge that's being returned to us, okay? Because that second question, who is Allah? The father of the universe, the creator. So this also clarifies what we mean by Allah. We're not talking about some demigod because those are creations of Allah, right? We're not talking about, you know, the different aspects, right? Or different, different, um, you know, different creations of Allah, dem so-called demigods, fallen angels. We're not talking about any of that stuff. We're talking about the creator and sustainer of all the worlds, right? The father of the universe that provides for the entire universe, Okay, and this is why also, even if everything's just left alone, left, you know, left to its own um, wits, everything is provided for as far as everything on earth, right? The sun, if the sun is providing, you know, sunlight that causes the plants to grow and everything like that, everything is provided for here. 
right? Regardless of what anyone else is doing, Allah created all of this for us so that even if you don't do anything, you don't do any work to contribute to it, there's still trees that will grow, that will provide you with nourishment and all of these things that you need, right? The, you know, there's water, even though we're polluting the, you know, the, the planet and the, you know, the, the lakes and all streams and all that stuff, there's still all of that stuff is here to provide for you, right? And it was just given to us. Okay, so this is what we're talking about. We're talking about the creator of all this. And then the third, third one saying, can we see him? No, right? So um, we're obviously speaking about physical eyes. And the physical eyes, as far as we know, can't even perceive the spirit realm, right? And Allah tr- transcends all of these conditions like the, of the material, material realm because all of these things are finite. They all have a beginning and an end. And so from our perspective, you know, in the physical realm, Allah can't be seen, right? Can't be seen with physical eyes. But, right, the next question, where's the nearest place we can meet him? In the heart. So this this is letting us know that we we can meet a lot within us because it's not talking about necessarily talking about your your um, heart that's pumping the blood through your body. Right here is talking about our soul, something that we all have. Right, if we look at our Quran throughout the Moorish Holy Quran. Soul and heart, our heart is being used synonymously with the um, soul, right? It means the soul in chapter 33, verse 4, where it says, the heart of the grateful man is like the clouds of heaven. Okay, in chapter 40, verse 17, it says, the heart of man cannot attend at once to too many things. Also in chapter 31, verse 2, when it's saying, keep the desires of thy heart, therefore, within the bounds of moderation, speaking on the soul. Okay? And so several times throughout the Quran, speaking about the heart, it's talking about the soul. So we can all, the nearest place we can meet Allah is in our own soul, in the heart. And that's something that we all have ultimately that's within us. Okay, because Allah is literally, uh, we're all seeds of Allah, or Allah planted his seed within each and every one of us. Okay. Um, Question five Who is Noble Drew Ali? He is Allah's prophet. All right. And so this, Kind of touched on this earlier, where the prophet has to come from amongst the people. This is the criteria that is set. It's set. It's established. It's established throughout the Quran. It's established throughout the Bible and probably several other holy texts um, as well. Several scriptures that the prophet must come from amongst the people speaking their language. 
so that he can explain God's will to them and let them know how to get back in alignment. And this is exactly, if we study Nobu Ali, this is exactly what his message was about. He's coming to show us how to submit to the will of Allah and to escape the wrath of Allah, which is sure to come. Okay. And question six, what is a prophet? A prophet is a thought of Allah manifested in the flesh. Okay. Um, A thought of Allah transcends the limitations of mind, body, and personality. Right? And it's, that's why also in the questionnaire, you'll, you'll come across the text is saying that the, um, basically, um, you'll, you'll come across an understanding of reincarnation showing that the prophet was here before, right? As previous prophets, as Jesus, as the prophet Muhammad, right? Because a thought of Allah transcends the flesh. It transcends the limitations of the mind and body and personalities, okay? So this is something that's transcendent. And when it's time, when we're going into a new age, right? When there's a need, to, you know, the people are going astray or whatever need occurs, this same thought of Allah comes into the flesh from amongst the people to lead them to the right way, to get them back in alignment with, with Allah and with the divine will. And then also, question seven, what is the duty of a prophet? To save them from the, the nations, from the wrath of Allah, right? That's divine punishment. And it's activated when the nations are deviating and violating divine instructions. In our case, divine covenant that we have. And this is why we'll see this so many times, like in, in even in pop culture, when they're talking about our people. Right? This is in the Bible, but we even see this when they're talking about so-called African Americans, right? It was in the show them. But I've seen it other times, too, in other movies and TV shows. They imply that we broke our divine covenant with God. Okay? And so when the nations get out of line, through Allah's love and mercy, he sends a prophet to warn the nation of the impending doom and the consequences of their own behavior, right? He sends love. That's a thought. Love and mercy. Those are thoughts. That's a thought of Allah in the flesh, right? And so this is why the prophet too came. He, he, he was doing his best to be the best version of himself. And even though he's around people who aren't even trying to be the best version of himself, he still is, is coming to them in love, with mercy, even when he was dealing with people in his time, who, in the case of the brother in Detroit, the temple in Detroit was very financially successful in the prophet's time. 
And the brother leading that temple, Brother Lomax Bay, he decided he wasn't going to send the per capita tax anymore to uh, the home office, right? The temple dues stay with that local temple. The per capita tax is because we are a nation. I got the dogs hyped up. Hang on. (laughs) Sorry. Hang on more. Sorry about that. All right. (laughs) Sorry about that. So um, the per capita tax, in theory, right? I mean, we're still dealing with people, and people aren't always trying to do what they're supposed to. But in theory, the per capita tax is so that we have our own national treasury in addition to what we're doing at each local each local community right so that we're not beggars so that we can get what we need done we need our own finances right the dogs hyped up about nationality over here so um what i was saying was lomax bay decided we we're not gonna send any money to home office anymore you know we don't need them and and then so many words he stood up at a, a meeting that the prophet was attending right and there's like several i think there was over a thousand people in attendance right so it was huge everybody's there and lomas bay told the norris y'all don't need to send him any money anymore right and that was you know really disrespectful and um there were people who wanted to take the brother's life and the prophet actually warned the brother. He let him know. He's like, you know, you might want to leave town. And um, he he told him, um, you know, he didn't threaten him. He's not like, we're going to kill you or something. He just told him, he's like, look, you can't be a leader anymore, but you can still be a member. <laughs> you know, he's like, you can still be a member of the Morrison Temple of America. You just can't be a leader because that was really disrespectful. So he's still coming to him in love. You know, which I probably wouldn't have been like that. And, you know, I'm not the only one. Like, would have been angry. And it wouldn't have gone well for the brother, you know? But the prophet's coming in love and mercy. Why? Because he was a thought of Allah manifested in the flesh. Now, we're all thoughts of Allah. But the prophet is coming off of the thought of love and mercy for people who... I would say might not even deserve the love and mercy and forgiveness, you know, but I'm not (laughs) thinking, you know, I'm not exactly always in alignment with my higher self. So I don't, you know, when we we see our people and we're not doing a good job or even trying to do a good job, right. You might look at them and be like, man, they don't deserve love and mercy, but the prophet is going to still come in that, that, um, that approach with love, mercy and forgiveness. That's the duty of a prophet, to save nations from the wrath of Allah. So even if they decide, eh, we're not going to follow these divine instructions you gave us because it's not cool. I'm out here being savage. You know, we're going to go with that. We're going that route. That doesn't take away from the fact that he was a prophet. That just means that we decided we're not going that way and we rather face the wrath of Allah. Um, Islam, I see uh, Brother Kobe, Islam. I yield the floor. Islam, Islam Grand Sheikh, I rise and give honors to our great God, Allah, and Prophet, and Prophet Noble Drew Ali. 
I just wanted to camel back on Lomax. I've heard on Lomax and the reason, uh, not the reason, but the part on the Ritz, I need finance. I need it badly. Never before if I need to finance so badly as I do a present so I can shove side of Discord that's facing the nation. He was writing that to Lomax. Islam, I don't, I was just, I heard that a few months ago. Islam. Right, Islam and gratitude, and um, you know that makes sense. You know, like he he was definitely addressing them, and then letting the other Moors know as well, right? Addressing this, and that's why I had to be read at every meeting now, because it's like, okay, this is what was going on. It's going to happen again, because the Moors aren't going to act right, and so you know this needs to be said at every meeting from now on, right? This needs to be law <laughs> because. Right, we already see how the Moors are going to do. Okay, and so um, moving on, question eight: Who is the founder of the Moorish Science Temple of America? Noble Drew Ali, right? Guided by Allah, Prophet Noble Drew Ali um, conceived and evolved the divine idea of the Moorish Science Temple of America. So this this is um, catering specifically to the needs of our people. Taking everything into account, who we are, where we've been, where we need to go, right? What we actually need so we can throw off the shackles, the remnants of slavery, and then take our rightful place in the affairs of men, right? So he founded this organization specifically to address our needs. And that's the Moore Science Temple of America. What year was the Moore Science Temple of America founded? Now, um, the Morris Science Temple, or the Morris Temple of Science, was the previous name. Was organized in 1925, and then was incorporated in 1926. But the idea of the Morris Science Temple of America had already been founded in 1913. Okay, 1913 is foundational. And that gives the Morris Science Temple of America the distinction of being like the first, you know, official Islamic organization in the country. Right. And then also one that was growing rapidly, spreading across the nation. So it's the first and the oldest Islamic organization in America. And, you know, it was it wasn't like for foreigners coming over here so that they can practice their religion no not knocking that because there's religious freedom here everybody can do that but it's specifically founded for the expressed purpose expressed purpose meaning this isn't something that we hide we don't have to hide we let it be known what we're about and and nobody can do anything about it to stop it because there's nothing wrong with what we're doing right we're in alignment with the law so it's specifically founded for the express purpose of uplifting fallen humanity, specifically uh, among the people of Moorish, right? The so-called, the Africans, right? Of African ancestry scattered throughout the world and the Western hemisphere in particular. So the Western, Western hemisphere, that's here, that's North America. That's the Caribbean, Central America, South America. Man, I'm... 
was watching this video. There's a brother, like he goes traveling throughout Central South America, and he's in Peru. And it's a bunch of brothers and sisters in Peru, like dark-skinned brothers and sisters, right? And it's like, you know, you might not even think of Peru. I don't even know if the average person even knows what somebody from Peru would look like, but normally you wouldn't think of somebody that looks like us. But there's a lot of people there who I guess you would call Afro-Peruvians. Okay, and then I lived in Brazil for five years and um, there's a ton of Asia. There's more uh, Asiatic people in Brazil than it is here in North America. Way more. Okay? So, like, there's a lot of us. We need to open our eyes, too. Okay? Um, but um, anyway, so what I was just saying was that this is specifically for us here. So not not just North America, this is a connector for all of that. So we're deep. We're deep. There's a lot of us. Okay? That's where I was going with that. Just to say there's, there's a lot of us and this is to connect us all and to help us all get back in alignment with the law so that we can be successful and not need someone else for guidance, right? We don't have to go to anyone else so question 10 where newark new Jer- jerusalem or newark new jersey okay this is where it was founded um we spoke about that earlier the prophet was born in 1886 all right and he was born in north carolina and that's significant because that lets it known he was from the very people the nation that he came to redeem Right, because people more likely to accept divine instruction from one of their own because he speaks their language, he shares their history, he knows what we're going through. He's more aware of our needs. He knows a bunch of us drinking and smoking and one even trying to stop. He knows all this stuff. That's why, like the way that he approached us and getting us to deal with our own issues is specific for us, and it's not difficult for us to follow these instructions these divine instructions. On that note, um, I yield the floor. If anybody has any questions or anything else you would like to share, feel free to speak up. Islam. All right. Um, uh, it's not grand uh, arise give honest to our prophet noble Jali, great god Allah. just to add on the build on sunday uh especially the beginning of our one on ones is is more of the knowing yourself when when you know yourself you don't have any competition because you're connecting yourself back to yourself and we're connecting our people as far as all in the court back to ourselves, And that's very important. And it's a, it's a very good feeling once you see it all coming in order. Islam, I just wanted to add that. Islam, brother, gratitude. And, um, you know, like you were saying, the way that he gave us the understanding, right, the, and how 
Um, we, we know who we are. We don't have to go through anyone else or ask anyone for permission. Right? We don't have to do that. And that's that's beautiful. Um, does anyone else have anything they'd like to share? Or any questions? Okay, I want to announce without further ado, we're going into the closing of the meeting. Right, all meetings are to be opened and closed promptly according to the Circle 7 in love, truth, peace, freedom, and justice. Uh, we ask that everyone who is able, please rise and face the east for the closing prayer. You do not need to repeat after me. Okay, Allah, bind our hearts and minds back to our ancient forefathers, divine creed and principles. We ask this in our holy name and the seven Elohim. Amen. Islam. Islam, Islam, Islamism. Uh, this meeting is now adjourned. Peace and love, Moors.